Welcome to Season 9 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Before we get into this episode, Dan and I are calling out all of you leadership educators. Are you struggling to spice up your learning activities? Do you need somebody to bounce your ideas off of that has no stakes in the game? Meaning they're not your students, they're not your faculty peers, they're not your dean? Well, connect with us for expert guidance on creating engaging and inclusive classroom learning environments. Are you an academic leader seeking a program reviewer? Dan has availability this semester and would love to help you elevate your approach with customized feedback on your program. You can reach out to both of us through LinkedIn today. Welcome back to Season 9 of the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And as Dan just said off camera, we are recording for the first time in 2024. All right, we did it. <laughs> right? It's wild to think that I believe we were we first started recording about four years ago. And it's wild to think that that's happened. But it's an amazing thing. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for this semester uh, it's spring 2024, but I'm also excited because we had so many people share ideas and topics that they wanted to cover related to the conversation we started in the fall. And so we said, hey, you know, as the people who run this podcast, like, sure, we can continue this conversation. So we're continuing to discuss generative learning for leadership educators. We talked about this last season. It's an approach to leadership development and education that focuses on cultivating generative thinking and behaviors and leaders. We identify generative thinking as the ability to create new possibilities, think systemically, and generate innovative solutions to complex problems. And so this involves shifting from reactive or problem solving as your mindset to a more proactive and creative mindset, which we think leadership educators all over the place will be excited about. Yeah, that's right. So generative leadership education, you know, it aims to develop leaders who can navigate uncertainty, inspire collaboration and create positive change in their organizations and communities. And it often involves experiential learning, which we love as leadership educators and reflection and the development of skills such as systems thinking, adaptive leadership and emotional intelligence and we know our audience is familiar with a lot of those concepts, and so our hope is that we are able to invite guests to share how they're thinking about some of these things and how they're doing as we still are kind of in this the, the tail end of this, what we're quote on air quoting, post-pandemic, right? And how we're doing as faculty, leadership educators, student affairs professionals, folks in other leadership and development and training spaces. And, you know, essentially we're facing new opportunities and issues. And so we're talking to others who have ideas, solutions, or suggestions for navigating some of this new terrain. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we've, as we did last semester, we've invited some more leadership educators, faculty and other disciplines who maybe have won awards for their teaching, um, scholars who talk about artificial intelligence, ethics, social phenomena, disruptions, adaptive challenges, and other trends that we're facing, like you said, Dan, kind of post-pandemic in air quotes. Um, we're still broadly asking that question, how are we processing what's happening and how is it affecting our classrooms and campuses? And with that, how are we trying to develop curriculum, teach, evaluate leadership, learning, and build community? So for our first episode, one of the things that we like to do, um, even though it's like our midpoint of this season and we uh, decided to, uh, I guess, because it's our podcast, we're like, yeah, let's just continue season nine because uh, for all the reasons that, that Lauren shared. But one of the things that we do like to do at the beginning of each semester, which is kind of how we track our time, if you will, or our cycle as, as we do in higher education, uh, we love to talk about what we're teaching, some of the things we're working on, kind of anything else that, that is piquing our interest at the time. And so, um, you know, up, up here in uh, Portland, Maine, so uh, if there's anything that's constant, it's changed. And so we're recording this, uh, what is today, the 25th, I think, of, of January. And so last Tuesday would have been my first day of classes, but, uh, you know, uh, Mother Nature had a different plan for us. And so we got snowed out and I had uh, the first two class meetings for both my classes that day, which is kind of funny for me because my first spring here at USM, which would have been the, the spring of 2013, um, I had a class that met once a week and it got slowed out three times. And I'm someone who, if you know anything about Clifton Strengths, my number 34 theme is adaptability. <laughs> and so uh, I about lost my mind after having to redo my syllabus and, and everything uh, after the second and then third time that my class was uh, was canceled. And so- Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. You had, in the first week, your class was canceled in person three times? Well, was it, it wasn't like the first, no, 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 no. It was like, I think we met the first time, maybe the second time. It might've been the second class that was snowed out. Then we met again. And then we had another snow day and it was almost like alternating weeks. Um, and then we had a spring. Oh, and the uh, University of Maine system used to have both a winter break and a spring break. They stopped doing that about three or four years ago. So we would go for five weeks, have a week off, go for five weeks, have a week off, go for five weeks. And I remember asking one of my colleagues, I'm like, is this right? Is this academic calendar correct? Because in Florida, we had a spring break and, you know, spring comes in like March. We're <laughs> uh, like, I mean, there aren't really seasons in Florida, right? It's either hot and rainy or all the grass is brown. You know, there's like no in between. At least that's how it was in Tampa. So uh, I had to flex my, as we do, we leverage other of our talent themes. I would leverage my strategic after I got my blood pressure down and like got myself together. Like I just was not uh, familiar with that. I mean, just snow days in general. I'm like, what? Like everything just closes down. Yeah, this is New England, Dan, right? So um, is what I was told. So I leveraged my strategic. So now and it's actually flowed into some of my other facilitation and teaching is now my, my, um, Technique for that is I always have a plan B, plan C. So I always probably come, well, not even probably, I come to every class with, you know, twice as many you know, learning activities and things than we probably have time for just in case, you know, and all, and if you have like some students that don't show up or, you know, there's just some things that naturally evolve or emerge from class, I can, I can pivot. So in any case, we finally met last Thursday for my Tuesday, Thursday class, which is an intro to leadership class. Although uh, uh, there's one thing that's constant, it's change. And somehow I ended up in the only classroom in that building that still has chalkboards. And there must have been 50 pieces of chalk available and the most disgusting eraser I've ever seen in my life. Oh, 
man, Dan, Dan, no, let me, let me help you with that rant. I'm in one of those that has a whiteboard and chalkboards and all of the, the chalk is whittled down to the end. And like I eraser caps, right? High enough to do everything. Oh man. And there's like nobody I can write a letter to because I'm in like a large lecture in a building outside of my school or college. Oh, I feel you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go no, ahead. no, no, you're good. You're good. I appreciate the empathy. And so I actually went, uh, reached out. I'm on uh, the university's like space committee and it's not like NASA space. It's like what room or like if departments are moving or if a new initiative needs uh, a building or what, you know, that kind of thing. And so I one of the people I know is uh, on that committee that she schedules rooms for, you know, basically all classes. And I said, Hey, can you help me out? Are there any other rooms available during this time? And she, she got me into another room that has whiteboards. Um, I was just like, I can't, I can't do that. But love the first day of this intro to leadership class. Cause I get to do, this is an activity we also do at the leadership uh, education Academy, which we call like, basically it's best class, worst class, where you engage your students in a conversation about have them think about the best class they've ever been a part of, whether it was in high school or another class as an undergrad, um, as well as the worst class or what we affectionately call the class from hell. And then you ask them about what were some of the behaviors that you observed students doing and the instructor or the faculty member doing in each of those two environments, right? The best class and the worst class. And students have no problem coming up with, you know, in the best class students were like engaged and like they respected each other. The teacher like didn't lecture all the time and genuinely seemed to care and allowed for different viewpoints and all these types of things. And then you get to like the worst class and they're like, oh man, like teacher would pick on people or single people out or just lecture, monotone voice. Students were on their phones, students fell asleep. You know, I had one that said students threw a chair and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know WWE was going to be part of this class. But, but in any case, you know, we get these two portraits of these two environments um, up on the board. Then we have a conversation about leader and follower dynamics, leadership, followership, like relational leadership, which is the, we use the Kamabez, Lucas and McMahon exploring leadership text and the relational leadership's the, the major framework of that. Uh, of that text. And so it's a, I like that as an introductory activity because it gets us all thinking about this the mirror and the modeling and that leadership is a relationship and, and students can all, all relate to uh, an educational environment. And so that gives us a nice springboard for having conversations about ground rules for the semester and, and all that kind of stuff. So I love those, those first day of class activities and uh, really, really do have a, a great group of, of students this semester. So and then one of the things that Lauren, that you share when we were off, off camera, if you will, um, about doing demo days. So of course, first day of class two, you got to go through your syllabus and all that. Do you, you want to share that idea real quick? And because I just love it. And I, I adopted it like, because I had some students that weren't able to make it to class the first or the second day because of all these things. Yes. You're like, <laughs> you're jumping for joy that, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. My favorite thing is, you know, I borrowed such and such, but so, so Dan and I were talking offline and I, I told him about this idea and actually, honestly, it came from my past chair, Joe Glennon, who's mm -hmm. now at Indiana. So demo day is the first day of class where instead of going over the syllabus, I actually walked them through a mini lesson. So I teach this class public relations theory. The theory is as exciting as y'all can imagine it, but with my engaging demeanor, I try to make it fun. And so I, I did something called head shakes and hand, headlines where I asked them to tell, like meet somebody and tell them what you're reading. And then when they were talking, I slowly brought an agenda setting. And so I walked them through what a mini, like what class would be like 
they'll have to bring headlines, they have to read, they have to, the, and I said, you'll read about the theory before we talk about it in class, unlike today where I just kind of popped it on them. And then the second day of class, so I teach Monday, Wednesday, Friday this semester, the second day is where I go over the course syllabus. And we had some snow too for the first time in like two years. And so I recorded me talking through the syllabus and put the video up so that they didn't have to trek to campus just to hear me boringly go through mm -hmm. the video. So demo day and then course syllabus. The good thing is all their other classes go over the course syllabus on the first day. By the time I go over the course syllabus, they've already forgotten course syllabus day one. Right. And so they're ready to forget course syllabus day two, but at least it's not on the same day. So you stole that or you borrowed that? Yeah, I mean, basically I, you know, I was like, let me, well, you know, I, it was almost like too late. I think we had the conversation like the day after that snow day. And I was like, oh, bummer. Cause I could have done this. But what I was able to do is I found some for this class, I had taught it online last semester. And, you know, the syllabus is essentially the same with like the group project is different because it's a virtual versus an in-person group project with a, a totally, it's basically a totally different group project, but all the other assignments are the same. And so how I described them in the welcome video I posted for this class last fall when it was uh, asynchronous, I was like, you know what? I had three students that maybe as many as four that weren't able to be, or they added the class late or whatever. And so I'm like, you know what? Watch this because I don't want you to be at this disadvantage where you have no idea what we're talking about. And I also modified some of these first day of class activities through for like discussion boards, because we also do like a visual explorer where like select an image that represents your understanding of leadership at this point in time. Like, you know, we do a bunch of things and some mini lectures on like why reflection is essential in, in leadership learning. And all that was part of this like 30 minute welcome video I did. And so I said, hey, watch this. And then when you come to class, finally, <laughs> on our fourth class, what would, I guess, officially be our fourth class meeting third because of the snow day, you're not so far behind your, your other classmates. And so that gives us an opportunity to dive right in without having to bring all these other folks up to speed while the other students are like rolling their eyes or bored or like spending time after class or or what have you, right? It's like, come with your questions. Like, and so, you know, it's always the student like, yeah, I missed class. Did y'all do anything? No, we didn't do a thing. <laughs> you know, right? um, or, or I got the notes from my friend and I'm always like, you better hope your friend was right. I hope your friend was sitting up front. Just so you know, you'll be held to the same standard, you know, regardless of whether or not you're there. But to your point, it I love it because then they can watch it at their own pace. They don't have to worry about capturing everything or missing it. Yeah, yeah. I think I might start just doing that for all my classes um, going forward. So yeah. So the other class was the, we've had Scott Allen on before to talk about the collegiate leadership competition. I think we even had uh, Bella Krasanovich, who used to be the executive director for that organization on back a few years ago. And uh, so I'm teaching that class this semester. That was another one we didn't meet until this week. But um, I love that because it's, you know, if you all check out, if you haven't already, the collegiateleadership.org, it's just such a cool experience. And um, it's all about, you know, developing this group of students that none of them have ever met each other by the start of the semester and you turn them into a well-oiled, you know, machine. You go through all the Tuckman's stages of group development and then they get to compete against other universities teams. And so we're going back to some in-person competitions this year. There'll be three, one in New England that we're hosting at USM in April, one in Toronto at Wilfrid Laurier University, and then one in Cleveland at Scott Allen's University at John Carroll University. So there'll still be the virtual competition. And then we'll see what 
2025 has in store for us. You know, before things shut us down in 2020, I think we were positioned to have eight regional competitions in the US and Canada and things got shut down, I think like 10 or 11 days before we were going to get going. But in any case, I love that first class meeting with those folks because we do team-based icebreakers. So we do one called like common ground where it's like, hey, you have 10 minutes to come up with 25 things that all of you have in common that's not related to the university. You know, and they're like, who likes Italian food? Like, do you wear glasses? Does you have a license? Have you ever been to Europe? You know, and it's just like, but they're like in a time crunch, you know, just so like, it's a great opportunity to see how they self-organize right away. And then we have them talk about, uh, so we debrief that activity and then also talk about getting them into some team norms. And I love having them share about what's the best team they've ever been on and why. And then they write down like five to 10 characteristics of that team on sticky notes and they put them all on the whiteboard and then they have to organize them and come up with like a mantra of like shared values that they want for their team this semester. Um, And it's a really fun organic process that they go through. And again, it's just, how do they work together? How do they talk to each other? Do what does one or two voices dominate the other voices? Who, who talks, who doesn't, you know, it gives, gives me a good, opportunity to see how they're going to interact with each other. And then also with that classroom, oh my gosh. So I, I, that's another one. And I'm like, I reached out to again to this woman. I'm like, Hey, I hate to be like, you know, like a thorn in your side and ask for another room, room rearrangement, but the light we have fluorescent lights in this room and they didn't turn off, but they literally like seem to have disconnected the lights, the panel, the three light panels of like the long, you know, fluorescent light at the front of the room. I think it's set up because for like a lecture. So like the projector, you know, sometimes you'll turn off the light right over the projector. So you don't have a glare. They did that, but you can't turn it back on. So like the whole 25, like the whole quarter of the front of that classroom is like just dark because the class is at night. And so like, there's just no light in that part of the room. And I'm like, this is just not going to work. Like, like just put me in another classroom. And it was bizarre because they were like using the whiteboard in like a dim setting and they, they were fine, but I was like, get me out of here. So the other two classes. So I'm actually ended up kind of teaching four classes since the CLC is so small. I kind of do it in like an independent study type of format where it's like you get paid per student or whatever. And so most deans are not going to let you teach a class with six to eight students in it. You know, you, you really got to, unless it's a graduate seminar or something like that. So um, the other two classes I'm teaching are a leadership education graduate seminar, which I love. And we, we did do a demo day for that one uh, where students, you know, jumped in on Zoom, but the rest of the class is asynchronous except that they do teaching demos online towards the end of the semester. And then I'm teaching an organizational theory course for the first time in like seven years. And it's funny because the person that had taught it for many years was an adjunct of ours and I had mentored him and uh, shared with him a lot of my course materials. I got the course back and like 80% of it is still like my, a lot of my stuff. And I'm like, this is, but like, it's kind of evolved and he's like put his own touch on it. But I'm like, oh, I remember this case study or like, oh, you still have this like story that, that I shared, you know, and you attributed it to me and whatever. And it's still a fun class to teach, you know, going back into Bowman and DL reframing organizations. And it had just been several years since I taught the undergrad org theory course. So it's kind of fun to be back doing that. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what's going on in my my classes, the other stuff, just, you know, since we have an opportunity to get this out to our listeners. So we've got, we've got all these conferences coming up, right? You also International Leadership Association, who's one of our sponsors, their conferences in Chicago, November 7th to the 10th. Um, if you go over to uh, ilaglobalnetwork.org, their call for proposals is going to come out any day. And my understanding is that it'll be open from March 1st uh, through the 30th. So, you know, any day now, in fact, by the time this episode comes out, it might be out. Um, so check that out. And then also 
registration for the Leadership Educators Academy is, is already open. Uh, we wanted to make sure that was open early. Um, that's going to be at the uh, University of Maryland at College Park, July 29th through August 1st. Um, so, so check that out. Uh, we talked about that on here. You can always, uh, maybe we'll put some of the episodes that we have with some of the past co-chairs in the show notes. Um, and then Association of Leadership Educators, another supporter and sponsor of the podcast, their annual conference is July 14th through 17th in Minneapolis. And that call for proposals is open until February 12th. Uh, check them out, leadershipeducators.org. And um, that's always such a fun conference. And uh, can't wait to get back after missing it last summer for the first time since 2011. I was so disappointed to miss it last year because of just, a, I'll use the fun word, kerfuffle of uh, family responsibilities that I just couldn't couldn't get out. Um, the Global Followership Conference, if you go to followershipconference.org, the April 25th through 26th, that's in Glasgow, Scotland. Call for proposals is closed, although you can still submit posters and lightning talks, um, but the other session proposals um, have already been decided as far as I understand. And that's a great group. If you're curious about followership, it'll be the first time the conference is in uh, is outside the U.S. And we've got um, already close to 150 registrations, as, uh, as I understand it. It's a really, really great international community coming to chat about the study and practice of followership. And then the last conference I'll talk about is the Management and Organizational Behavior Teaching Society. If you're teaching management or OB or tons of overlap, obviously, between management and leadership, although they're dis they're distinct. Uh, certainly, there's um, some fun conversations about the difference between leadership and management that you probably have had in your own leadership courses. That call for proposals just closed, though, on January 22nd, but it's a it's an outstanding conference and, uh, you know, very practitioner-oriented, tons of pedagogy. That's going to be at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts, June 11th through the 14th. So you can check them out at mobts.org and we'll again put all these in the in the show notes so i'm hoping to um, i my plan is to be at all four of those conferences and i think uh, i know lauren will be at ila you planning to be at ale this year lauren you know, i don't know. You know it's funny so that week so i usually am on vacation late june early july mm -hmm. and that week i have it's my 20 year anniversary from um so my my close friend group from florida state it's our 20 year yeah of meeting and becoming friends. And so we had alternative plans right before that. Mm -hmm. And then my family reunion is in Chicago. And then in the ALE is in Minneapolis. And before all of these things came out, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to ALE. And I'm now looking at my calendar. And I even may be in New Orleans for July 4th. So it looks like the first two weeks of July, I may be on a road show. So I'm going to look in <laughs> getting an RV and driving around the country nice. because I need to be in four separate cities over a two-week period. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe you'll hit but, some baseball games on the way, right? So. You no, know me. I definitely, my husband and I usually go to a baseball game on our anniversary, June 30th. We do some kind of sporting something. Last year, we saw the Baltimore Orioles um, play at Camden Park. Beautiful park if you've never been. One of the best in baseball. Great environment. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Derek Jeter during his season. I'm a big Yankees fan. Yeah. When Jeter retired, I, I cried all season instead of just <laughs> buying tickets. And my husband for my birthday surprised me with tickets at Camden Yards. And the best thing happened. So I was right on third baseline, had great seats. It was um a little cloudy 
And so we were under an uh, overhang, so I didn't have to worry about getting wet. But then they started doing one of those um, Blue Angels shows at yeah. the harbor during the game. So they stopped the game so everybody could watch the Blue Angels. And my favorite thing is our flyovers. And so I was, it was yeah. just like the perfect day for me. Anyway, uh, that was such a tangent. But yes, I will go see a couple baseball games if I can squeeze them in. I, you know, I haven't been to a White Sox or Cubs. I haven't been to either of those stadiums. So maybe along the way. Check them out. Check them out. Yeah. Quick 20 second Blue Angels. Ch- so we, uh, I'm in, I live in Brunswick, Maine. It's about 20 miles north of Portland. And uh, there's an old Navy air base here where they do uh, either the, uh, the U.S. Air Force does the Thunderbirds and then the Navy does the, the Blue Angels. And so every other, about every other year, alternate years, they do a big state of Maine air show in the airports. Like it's now an executive airport, but it's all still the same setup airfield as the Navy base. And so it's like three miles from here. So mm-hmm. the Blue Angels come a couple of days early and practice. So yeah. for like a week, I was just like, oh, there they go. Like, and it's loud as heck. And it's crazy because like, and we're getting this free air show for like three, four days before they do the actual air show. But anyway, tangent. So wait, 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 hold on really quick. Yeah. I live by an airport and I, I live in Delaware and Biden comes home all the time. Oh, and, sure right, and I've talked about Joe Jams. The new challenge is, so the airport where I near where I live, it has a lot of, um, like uh, what do you call them, crop dusters? So mm-hmm. those planes that fly, because I live around, there's a lot of farms. I live in a rural part of the state. And so I guess there was a no-fly zone because Biden was coming home one day. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the crop dusters went up. All of a sudden, these fighter jets are oh, like, no. <laughs> out there with the camera, like, what's going on? It felt like um, Independence Day yeah. when the aliens started dropping down. I'm like, what, what is going on? And so, you know, I go to the lovely neighborhood Facebook group for my updates and everybody is livid because these fighter jets are disrupting life. And I'm just like, like, I'm like, I'm just glad it's not like World War Three. Right. You know, I'm I'm so glad it's these, but I'm 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 also like, where where do I live? Like I, mm-hmm. this is such a foreign concept to me that this is the story I've got to tell. But you know, here we are. That's here right. we are, li- living life in the country. It is. It is. So, all right. And then the last thing I'll, I'll share some of the things I'm working on. Um, so I know we've, we've always have new directions for student leadership uh, author teams on, and we will definitely have a couple of those this season as well. Um, I'm engaged in a couple chapters with that one with, with Lauren and a couple other folks uh, talking about podcasts as pedagogy and leadership courses. So excited to continue working on that with our author team. And then there is an issue that will be coming out either at the end of this year or next year on the leadership learning framework that Kathy Guthrie and I presented in that role of leadership educators text. And so there, uh, some, an author team has actually proposed that is now working with authors to, to do a whole issue on the leadership learning framework, which is really humbling and exciting to, to be a part of. And I guess the last thing I'll share is, and we may have some podcast guests in the future sometime this year. There's a project I'm working on with Dave Rush and Scott Allen, who've been on our podcast before, a book called Moving the Needle, which is really looking at like what types of instructional strategies and assessment strategies are really moving the needle as it will with respect to uh, developing leadership capacity. You know, actually, you know, like what is really effective? What do we know about the different pedagogies that we use in the classroom and what's the evidence behind whether they are or are not effective. Just because we use them doesn't mean they're effective, right? What do we really know? So kind of kind of a critical theory, maybe uh, approach to interrogating pedagogy and you know, kind of deconstructing, reconstructing some of that stuff. So that's all I've got. And I will zip my lips and turn over to Lauren and talk about what's going on in her neck of the woods. That That's all I've got. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here, like I'm doing teaching research and service. <laughs>
got a lit. Yeah, I don't want to talk about my survey. I don't want to talk about any of the committees I want. <laughs> Gosh, like I don't know how we. Yeah, but the faculty, you know, it's like how do you manage it? All that stuff, all the, all the dishes you got spinning in the air. <laughs> Somebody, it's like uh, juggling apples, oranges, and bats. Yeah. <laughs> Drop any of them while you're rollerblading. Right. Foot. Downhill. <laughs> Downhill, right? Or on the highway. Right. Uh, so, so I'll quickly share. So um, it's funny you talked about adjusting to inclement weather because I felt very elder millennial when we got our first, we had, so in our first week, we had two snowstorms and in Philadelphia area, we haven't had more than an inch of snow in 720 days. So it's been a while since we've seen significant snow. And so uh, with COVID and the, like the pandemic and not having bad weather, I had completely taken the inclement weather plan out of my syllabus. I don't know if you've ever had that, but my old syllabus, I used to have an inclement weather plan. Like if it snows, listen to the radio, uh, expect an email, you know. And so it was weird because twice in the first week we had snow days. Uh, the the demo day and syllabus recording actually came in pretty handy, like I said. So first day we were there and we did the demo day. And the second day, instead of having them trek to campus to talk about the syllabus, I recorded it. Um, it's funny, though, I got an email from our chair. And if she's listening, just kidding. But she said, you know, make sure you meet on Zoom. And I was like, that hadn't even occurred to me uh, because we hadn't had to, we hadn't had inclement weather days since zoom became more prominent in our, our teaching so I was like oh I'm good like I recorded my lecture like and she was like no meet on zoom and I was like oh that's whoo I was gonna sled out back but okay here we are um so I kept it as planned but I now know moving forward just move it on zoom uh, so uh, I'm teaching four courses this semester I'm a non-tenure track hoping to move to tenure track everybody keep their fingers crossed teaching leading diverse teams, a graduate course that's seven weeks with master's students in communication. Um, like a genius, I redesigned almost all my classes. I feel like if I'm getting bored or feel like they're getting stale, then the students are gonna feel that. And so sometimes I'll redesign a course, like switch up assignments and readings, um, activities. I, I do it in response to the changing characteristics I'm seeing with students, but then I also do it so that I can stay engaged. Like this is, year the end of this year will be year six teaching and year I started I taught my first class in the fall of 2012 so 12 years of teaching you have to keep it fresh and exciting as well as the students and how they consume and learn are changing so um, leading diverse teams the class was small three students when three students a few days before registry before the first day of school, but it ended up being five students, but we're writing a case study in the class. And so we're talking through what they're interested in. I'm having them go read stories about diverse teams. And um, so it's been a fun start to the class. Uh, I also am teaching leading groups and team building. I teach that class regularly. And this year I've, I've actually incorporated more opportunities for students to lead and do work, which is new, like it's my baby. And I kind of let go and I'm like, all right, y'all are going to choose these topics. Y'all are going to do pre presentations. Y'all are going to talk about this in the class and then switched out some things that I felt were stale or they got in other places so that I made it kind of fresh. So I'll be excited to, to teach that class. Um, I hadn't taught it in a while, but I'm teaching public relations theory. I taught it last semester, but hadn't taught it for about two years before that. And 
This class I'm excited about because again, I switched some of the learning around, meaning they're responsible for more engagement and teaching um, the larger class. And I'm kind of less, um, uh, less PowerPoint presentation oriented and more large group discussion and students presenting material. So I'm excited for that. And then my sports media relations class, it's always online Wednesday nights at 5.30. And I don't lecture much in that class. What I actually do is I start with an open forum and I say, what stories are you reading? And then as they're sharing, I'm injecting public relations information in there and then asking them questions. So we talked about like Jason Kelsey is big in Philly. He took off his shirt when he met Taylor Swift. So we talked all about the stakeholders involved and, and we also talked about local brand versus national brand. So locally, he's very on par with his brand, but nationally, if you're not familiar with the Eagles or the NFL or him, it might be weird seeing like a big old 300 pound man take his shirt off in front of little kids in celebration of a touchdown. So we talk, we get an opportunity to have some really good discussion. Um, and then I usually end, I have them break into small groups and do something. So like last night I had them find PR people for, for some of their favorite athletes. And we talked about how challenging it was. Um, and then we, I also have talking points. So I, I have, you know, four or five things that I want to go through and I'll say, okay, so the first point is this, and here's where you use it. And then I ask them for their thoughts and comments. So it's, it's, this class is completely different than any other class I teach, but I find it works for the, the topic and what I'm trying to get them to do. So that's what I'm teaching. Um, uh, one of the things I'm struggling with is getting everything covered in one semester and being more mindful of what I choose, how I break down topics. So I'll probably spend spend my summer reading more about this and, and even being creative. Like, can I put more in videos and and you know, just how to break that up um, because my, my students are coming in a, a little less prepared in terms of the foundational things. So I used to be able to say, write in APA 7, and they are looking at me like, what, is, what even is, like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And so I've had to go in and do some more like foundational things. I can't just say these things. So meeting them where they are. So um, that's teaching. Um, I'm expanding. I'm always doing service and that I feel like I can do with my eyes closed sometimes because my service commitments are the same pretty much every year. Although I did get asked to be a university marshal. So I get a nice paid for little um, graduation gown, you know, the, the, the regalia, all the fancy words. Um, right. Right. <laughs> Say what, Dan? There's like a scepter, like a yeah. they call it a mace or whatever that like oh. I a lot of universities have. I mean, there's just so much like you know Harry Potter that goes into commencement. Yes. <laughs> yep. So well, I I signed up. I I was voluntold, was asked out of the blue to be mm -hmm. one, and it's funny because I know I'm going to get in that space and and be like, oh, like I know all these people, and mm -hmm. so that'll be good. You know, there are formal events, and it starts officially in March, and it's a three year appointment, and so. Okay. I'll be excited about that. Um, and then, so in terms, of, but I'm also trying to expand my research. I'm getting towards the end of my dissertation. I My first draft of chapter four is in and I've gotten feedback. So I'm excited. That's moving pretty quickly. Um, I also, during the summer, was able to start a couple of research projects. So we're working on the podcasting um, and leadership education article together. We also worked on a sports chapter uh, uh, on goal setting for a sports book. Um, I also, in your book with Dave and Scott, 
Mm -hmm. um, Darren Pierre, fan favorite guest of the show. We are writing about vision statements and PDPs. And so involved in a few writing projects and, and I'm exciting, excited to figure it out and then kind of add it to my already full schedule. So uh, yeah, always looking for more interested in all of the things. I'm really curious. And so it's nice to be able to explore and write about these topics. It's something that's newer in my career. So uh, it's, it's, it's nice and it's, it's helping to change and jazz up my like faculty life. Um, one thing I'm big on is if you're in the same role for a long time, how are you still changing and growing and developing? And so the research piece really stepped up this last year. And so adding that has been fun and important. And I'm, I'm excited about doing that, but it's still kind of how am I juggling all the things? So I, I feel like that's, oh, last thing, uh, I am still coaching sports professionals, general managers and head coaches in the NFL, associate and head coaches in the NCAA. And so that's going pretty well. Uh, we, are, we got our contract renewed for two more years. So we'll be working with, um, well, what I really do is I listen to how people talk about themselves and tell their stories and their sports lives and, you know, offer them feedback and resources and sometimes just affirming, like, that's an amazing story. That's incredible. You're not selling yourself enough or, you know, you're not telling your story enough. And right. so uh, I'm excited to do that work and continue to do that work for a little bit longer. So that's pretty much everything. Right, Dan? Does that sound like so. Yeah, we are staying busy. I don't know how we, you know, again, all the plates spinning at the same time. And, and you know, I think that that's what I, I think students want our, their faculty doing, right, is engage in all these different things, bring it into the classroom. And, you know, whether you're in a, you know, in a teaching or, or a research appointment or somewhere in between, staying engaged in your field and, and, and however that's, that's defined is just so important. And we're, you know, uh, lucky and, and fortunate to be able to share some of that with with y'all. So real quick, as we, as we tie things up, uh, some of our things coming up, you know, what do we, you know, we, you've talked about what we're up to at our own institutions, probably helpful to spend a minute or two chatting about our season plans as we uh, finish up this season nine. So some of our uh, upcoming guests, we're not going to name names yet. We've got quite a few confirmed. We're really excited to, to dive into recording some of these episodes in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll be chatting with some faculty developers as we're thinking about, man, that that fall 2023 semester was something else. A little bit of disruptions going on. And so yes, okay, yes, COVID semester, I don't know. So we've reached out to our networks and we've got some really great folks coming on to chat about some of the strategies that they've used on some of their campuses and centers for teaching and learning and some of these other types of things. So we'll be chatting with some of those folks, also some individuals in our discipline who are leading communities of practice, uh, or maybe have considerable expertise on the topic of communities of practice and effective strategies and pitfalls of advancing, you know, these, these communities. What else do we have folks coming on to talk about, Lauren? Well, you know, this one is actually for like for the first time, I feel like we've hit a little bit of a challenge in terms of, of getting guests, but we, we want to talk about some of the we want to talk to individuals who are facilitating tough conversations on their campus and in their communities. For example, we've spent probably the last four or five months trying to get um, faculty or leadership educators, student affairs pros, um, our diversity friends to come on and just talk about the changing legislation around DEI in some states. And we just, we've hit a wall because people are like, if I speak out, not only will I lose my job, I might lose my freedom, which is something that is important to discuss, but also we are not about challenge, uh, endangering anybody's livelihood at all. But we also know that it's happening. And so we're, we're 
trying to navigate how do we have these conversations because we know we're having them in small pockets separately how do we have these conversations as a part of the show and so um again we we are not inviting guests who maybe work in those states or work in those roles but we are having conversations about how challenging it is to pursue what's right and what's just um and create more inclusive spaces um and as leadership educators but then also just as dei faculty and, and administrators and so so again we're, we're looking forward to continuing to pursue that and maybe just have some you know off episodes where it's just Jan and I talking about that. We're fortunate where we work in institutions where they're pretty inclusive in nature. And so we can have those discussions without worrying about losing our jobs. But we also find that we're coming from an external perspective. Like I'll I'll use the example, Florida, I think Florida's um, board of education just decided that they can't do any DEI programming or teaching in their school systems. And we both graduated from uh, Florida state, a state school in, in, in the state of Florida. So, so it's pretty personal. It hits home, but it's also an issue that's popping up for leadership educators in our space. So anyway, our hope is that we can have those conversations um, this season on our show. But again, um, just to wrap things up, we'll be excited about all of our conversations. We're looking forward to bringing you new episodes every week. We always thank you for your support. If you have ideas, please reach out. Um, We're happy to hear them. And we want to thank y'all so much for listening and best of luck as y'all start your semester. Leadership educators who may have a little trouble coming up with creative learning activities to further their course and program learning outcomes are now able to meet with Dan or me to discuss the process they use to ensure engaged and inclusive learning environments. Or if you're an academic leader looking for an external reviewer, Dan brings years of experience in education evaluating leadership programs. Contact us via LinkedIn today. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura J-B. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at leadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor, and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators, the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. 
The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.